new on CuriosityStream. Grab your decoder ring. We're cracking the world's most famous encryptions. From the mom who took down the mob to the Zodiac Killer. See how the pros hide their secrets in plain sight on Cracking the Code. Plus, it was impossible to recruit intelligence agents without recruiting war criminals. Meet the retirees of the Third Reich who gathered Cold War intelligence for the U.S. on Nazis in the CIA. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. there's definitely a, a, a story to, to paint this amazing picture that, you know, we're in an economic crisis, which is for sure. We've got, uh, you know, massive uh, unemployment right now compared to what, you know, it was six months ago, five years ago, over the last hundred years almost compar- comparatively um, since the Great Depression. But uh, at the end of the day, people are still buying. There's still people who are interested in buying and selling real estate, which is what this show is all about. So, you know, there are going to be people who are not making as much money as they normally would. But the bottom line is, what? how are they reacting to it? Are they not buying real estate? Are they forced to sell? That's just not what we're seeing yet. No. Um, what we're seeing is, I mean, we had three downtown condo launches in one week. They all sold gangbusters. Uh, the one that had the uh, the drive-in opening, 199 Church, was 70% sold in the first week. Um, we had another one, uh, Eastern Avenue, 28 Eastern, and another one in Regent Park. Uh, mm-hmm. All did very, very well. The other two, Regent Park and Eastern Avenue, uh, not quite core, but... Uh, high prices and super low deposit structure like three years 10 grand uh or, or 10 grand or 10 five percent over three years like just crazy incentives for people to just sign up on the dotted line yeah. and they did in droves yep which is amazing right amazing yeah. let's talk about the pre-construction market quickly and uh, you know you're you're definitely a, a player in that field, but at the end of the day, why aren't there as many sales centers open right now? Why is there not as many new home sales in the entire Ontario market? There was they never they didn't release anything. There wasn't anything for sale. They couldn't open their sales centers. They didn't know what to do. They didn't want to sell for lower. So listen, most of the developers in Toronto, most not all. Some of them are, you know, half underwater already, but some of them have amazing balance sheets, are super strong and can just kind of sit around, hold back on launches and and hold on for what they want to get on their current inventory. If there is even is current inventory. That's it. They own the land. They know that that's the, that's the investment. So if the market's not ready yet, they, uh, Exactly. They delay. No, and and they know that the banks are printing money like crazy, which will only increase their the 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 worth of their land, and the value of their their end sales on the on the condo units. Exactly. But but they're able to wait. That's the key. It's that they are not even. They're not being sold. Be sold, right? Yeah. it's It's not. It's 
one of those headlines where you kind of have to look at it and say like, okay, great, but wait till everybody starts opening up their sales centers again when things sort of calm down, and then you're going to start hearing new home sales set record prices, 45% increase from first two quarters. And <laughs> you know, and gonna be- you're going to start seeing stuff like condo sold out without a sales center. True. Because it just happened like three times in one week. Yeah, they'll find, they'll find alternatives. So, so I also I so I spoke to a few people this week in uh, condo sales that specialize in condo sales. I spoke to uh, Brian Prasad, who's a platinum agent, very good agent. He he does some videos on YouTube. Also, um, I filled in. Uh, something on one of his websites that I was interested in in uh, purchasing condo and this guy man what he's a great agent he's all over me sending me examples he, he is like he is a great salesman but he's, he's he told me like boots on the ground these things are selling like hotcakes and especially I, I mean it used to be under 500,000 is what we would say in the industry it would just fly off the handle now it's under 700,000 is just yeah. flying off the handle right? Yeah. So, so Brian says they're flying off the ha- handle. I spoke to Hunter Milborn, who is the top condo salesman in Toronto, uh, maybe parts of North America. Like this guy is huge. And he says they're selling stuff out in Port Credit, like 250 units out of 350 units in a week for okay. over 900 bucks a square foot. Like craziness is really what's going on. But But, you know, the article grabs on to the fact that they only released 350 units last month and 700 the month before instead of like, I think I saw a stat that said there was six condo launches over a certain period of time, like the quarter, instead of 40 Yeah, from last year, right? Yeah. So there are still sales. There are sales centers that are happening and anybody who is selling is just accepting whatever prices they're going to get today, offering incentives like lower deposit structures, stuff like that, drive-in movie theaters, whatever it is to be able to get the, um, the marketing up. And uh, the ones that are sitting on the fence right now are the guys who are, who are going to sort of wait and see because they can. Sure. And you're right. There are some developers who, need, who can't afford to uh, gamble, right? Like they need to take advantage of the prices that they've based their acquisition price off of, right, on the land, right? So they have to move forward on it. Yeah, or, or it's going to be ugly. Well, let's so, talk about the cliff. The cliffs there. The cliffs. So, so yeah, the cliffs. It's what we were talking about last week. But I mean, one major one is the mortgage deferrals, and yeah. we had a great article though this week on that. So, Equitable Bank released their figures, and uh, this is this is great. So, mortgage deferrals were being offered from one to six months, right? Yeah. So, at some so when they said. The numbers that were coming out, $180 billion worth of mortgages and, uh, you know, so t- almost 20% of mortgages were deferred. They didn't say by how many months. And so some of them may have only been for one month. And those people have been making their payments now the last yeah. four or five, whatever it is, whenever they uh, implemented the, the deferral. So Equitable Bank actually gave the numbers and they said that only 7% now is actually uh, being deferred and that the majority of people were only doing it as a wait and see just to make sure. So they weren't underwater. They were still working. They just said, hey, look, I just want to make sure that in case the entire economy collapses and I do lose my job, that I'm going to put maybe a little bit of money aside and that people are paying the interest that was owed, that it accumulated, maybe even paying the payments in full uh, that they had deferred. So there's a lot of uh, positivity coming from that. And that's 
that to me is the key indicator of um, what's going to happen in that uh, situation. Is it going to be just a gradual change back to people making their payments and that everybody says, okay, we avoid a disaster um, or the cliff, which is what they were talking about. And it seems like the cliff now is, is avoided. That's, that's what it, it definitely sounds like. And now the government's article in, re in response to that is to um, provide more options to people. So instead of deferring, they were talking about um, if you miss a payment, it's just going to be added onto your principal. So basically the government's stepping in again saying, how can we work with banks to ensure that anybody who can't make their mortgage payments will have uh, the ability to stay in their home, not have to sell, and not cause any grief? Because Alberta's Alberta's in trouble right now. Alberta, Alberta, the problem is 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 much more real than in Toronto. So I know we talk about Toronto, but you have to look at Canada and CMHC, who's you know in charge of this for the government to be able to handle all these types of situations. They're doing a lot of stimulus because of Alberta, and so Toronto gets the benefit from that. Right. So we have to look at it that way and say, well, what is it that why what's happening in Alberta? Pardon? Why, why? What are they dealing with in Alberta? Well, Alberta was already in a softening market since 2014. So yeah. They already had a lot of trouble from oil prices and stuff and like all these different um, uh, businesses that were started that, that the boom that was brought into the uh, province of Alberta from everywhere. People were just already like they, they overbuilt, they, they just had too much stuff on the go because they were relying on this false um, revenue source that they were getting. And so now that oil prices have taken another hit and coupled with the pandemic, that's why they were one of the first provinces to open up because you know they really couldn't afford to have any more economic issues. But talking to agents out there, um, all their conversations are, you need to take less money than what the last guy sold for. And sometimes it's, you owe more money they're underwater. You owe more money yeah. than you actually uh, will net from your sale. So we need to find an option for you to be able to pull money out of somewhere just in order for you to be able to close the transaction and actually sell the home. Yeah. That's not happening. In I Toronto. don't see that happening in the Toronto. No so, chance. So, so the government, the federal government, right? CMHC. So they're having all this stimulus. So we get to take advantage of it. And Ontario actually has one of the highest household debts for, for all of Canada for obvious reasons. We've got really expensive real estate in Toronto. So we have to take on more debt. So that's why people were taking on more mortgage deferrals because we all are on the brink of, not all of us, but you know what I mean? There's a, there's a huge part of the population who needs to work every single month in order to pay their bills, yeah. right? So the government understands that and they're saying, we've taken on this healthy debt, it's household debt, mortgage um, house prices have been going up steadily. So you know people are still able to be able to sell if they're really, really stuck and things don't want to, and things don't improve. And they, so, they know the end result of their stimulus packages they know that house prices are going up there's nothing that's going to stop that the government the government because they're inflating the hell out of this thing yes exactly the government's goal is to ensure that house prices do go up so that the the bottom of the uh you know econ economic windfall those people will still have an option which will be to sell their home at least come out even or you know with whatever equity that they still have left and be able to move on and, and restructure their life that's that's the goal they don't want to see a, a lot of people underwater forced to sell with no options uh power sales all that kind of stuff that's that's the that's the disaster that they're avoiding by keeping interest rates low and by uh, providing additional mortgage deferral or you know non-payment options so so the, there are going to be i guess some people that do go off the edge of the cliff I just yep. don't think it's going to be the entire segment like the they make it seem. 
everybody that deferred their mortgage is not going to default, right? Is and that's the basis of what you're saying. Is like there's a there's a percentage of these deferrals that are going to default for sure. They'll yeah. get absorbed by the market for whatever price, and then again it'll move on. But here's the here's the the caveat to everything that we've dealt with in 2020 is well, what about a second wave? <laughs> What about a second wave? Sure. What about a second wave? Where? Well, so why don't we just open up stage three while there's still new cases? And I don't know. Have you looked up in the sky lately? There's a lot of planes again. Okay. No, I haven't. Well, so, but like, People we've we've seen the results in other countries and other cities that when you open up again, guess what happens? More cases. Like, it's got so bad in China again that they can't even pretend like there aren't any more cases like they have been for the last three months, right? Yeah. Everybody is is uh, expanding their numbers with regards to COVID again. So there's, I, a lot, there's a lot of places that still have been able to keep it under wraps. So we got a new app now uh, in Canada. Hopefully people use that. I feel like there's a lot of social distancing, uh, mask wearing in all the places that I go. I feel like countries are all like, you got to remember some, some of these other countries just don't have the ability. I mean, they're overcrowded. They just don't have the ability to be able to socially distance. Right. So listen, you can't, you can't look at them and say, that's what's going to happen to us. La last, uh, last weekend, me and my family, we got in the car and we drove North to try and find a nice tree to sit under that wasn't in our backyard so that we could get out of the house, stretch our legs, have a change of pace. And we drove up to like Innisville area or Bradford and every public place that we went to was packed. We went to the marina, was packed. The beach was packed. Like every, we couldn't find a place that we felt comfortable sitting under a tree that we didn't think we'd get arrested for doing. Uh, other than we we went we ended up in a subdivisions church parking lot under a tree on a Saturday, um, but but the the point is is that I see lots of pictures and videos of people crammed into really tight places without masks on, and uh, anyways, listen, I hope and pray to God that there's no uh, rebound here or second wave because. Like, look in California. All their restaurants opened up and shut down again two weeks later. They're dead. Yeah. They're dead. People in California. No, and maybe some of the people here didn't open right away because they're... What's that? It's like one of the most overcrowded parts of North America next oh, to Mexico sure. City. Yeah, sure. There's, a, there's, there's Canada in California. Exactly. So let's... let's Anyways. You know, optimistic uh, reports here. Assuming uh, there's no second wave... We'll assume that there's no second wave and that, that the Canadian government is uh, on the ball, which there's yeah. plenty of evidence to dictate that would be the case, right? So if the, mar if the market would tank, it would be because of the fact that there are thousands of people who are in uh, dire need to sell and that the house prices are no longer um, sustainable for them to be able to get the money out that they want and they've got no choice but to sell for less money than their neighbor did. Or, and, and, or there's no one there to buy them. Because if all those people need to sell and there's plenty of people to buy those houses, it doesn't matter. I agree. And I so, think, isn't there plenty of people to buy those houses right now? Let's get into it then. So, yes. If there, 
if there's a 10%, right? If there's a 10% um, uh, segment of the economy that is affected in the most negative way possible, then that means it's going to add 10% more listings on the market because people are forced to sell. And it's also going to take out 10% of the buyers who would be looking to buy. And a 20% swing in that sales to new listing ratio is enough to turn it from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Okay, hold on. Say that again. Say that again. So 10%. 10% of the people lose everything, lose their jobs, have, have no options whatsoever. So okay. it means that they're forced to sell. Right? Okay. So we had 100 buyers and 100 sellers before, but now we have uh, 110 sellers. Right? So now we have 100 buyers, 110 sellers. But if it's 10% of the economy that had issues and that they're, they're no longer able to, to you know, they can't work or anything else, that means that 10% of those 100 buyers is also going to be gone. So now we've got 90 buyers and 110 sellers. So that 20% uh, um, adjustment in the sales to new listing ratio is enough to take it from a heavy buyer's market or sorry, heavy seller's market into a, you know, weak balanced market or a, you know, medium uh, seller's market into directly into a buyer's market. So this Absolutely. is this is worst case scenario. So there's also a scenario where we have 100 buyers, 100 sellers, yeah. but, but there's a scenario where we have 100 buyers, 100 sellers. All of a sudden we have 110 sellers and all of a sudden we have 130 buyers because immigration opens now. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Or whatever the hell happens. Uh, some big tech company uh, opens up a new factory here or a new office here, whatever. There's a million things. So Mr. Loper from Royal LePage says, no doom and gloom in store for Canadian real estate. Okay. Now, he does not have a vested interest in saying this at all. So you have to look at, you know, where his interest is. The source, sure. But, not- but, I mean... Well, I don't think we disagree with him. No, I'm not saying he's wrong at all. I, I'm just, I'm just telling you that, you know, you always have to look at the source, right? I mean, I don't look at every single article and say, well, just because that guy says it, or just because, you know, he's got uh, a lot of power, that that's going to be the right answer. I got to look at what their interests. Are. Sure, but I mean, he'll talk about all the same things that we're going to talk about. There's a lot of things. Um, so if we have a waterfall that's, uh, you know, going off of a cliff, we've also got a lot of equipment building a serious dam. Sure, absolutely. Right. So there's no doom and gloom. Wasn't that great? Did you like that? Thank you. So we talked about the equitable uh, mortgage or equitable bank mortgage deferrals. Uh, I also read something about uh, talking about changing. You have to remember who equitable bank is too. This is a B lender. These are the people who would be most vulnerable. These are the people who have got the least amount of equity, job security, credit. Like you're talking about this is a very good bank to be looking at what their numbers are. Right. Now, I mean, how many, what percentage of people are using a B lender on their private residence? I mean, I guess there's a decent amount, but I would, I would think there's a much bigger sampling of people with the big banks that have mortgages sure. underwater. Just because you're using a B bank doesn't mean you don't make money. It just means you probably fucked up at some point before you figured out how to make money. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, so we also have, okay, so Markham. Markham. Markham 
has like boomed in June, apparently like up 22%. But I mean, listen, Markham was doing great before this thing, right? They got to open up before Toronto. Um, nice no, big York, York region. They, yeah. Fine. Like everything's, everything was booming up there. I'll explain very quickly on Markham. Markham had a um, rough couple of years prior to COVID because they had, they experienced one of the biggest boom booms in the uh, foreign buyer tax uh, fallout from April, 2017, from April, 2017 to April, 2019 prices in Markham average prices dropped 30%. When, when, when April, 2017 to April, 2019 average price in Markham dropped 30%. Because all the foreign buyers couldn't buy there anymore. Right. So there was, there was this huge disparity between the high-end stuff and the low-end stuff. The high-end stuff was not moving whatsoever in Markham for a long time, which artificially deflated that average price down 30%. That's why. It's not like everybody's house went down 30%. Oh. Some, some did, but it was more, more or less the high-end stuff had no longer, uh, was no longer selling for the prices they were. So now we've seen a return to the high-end stuff. So again, these price points sound good, but if all of a sudden there's now $3 million sales again in Markham, that's going to increase the average. So they say the average price is up 144000 The average home did not, the medium home did not go up at 144000 I can guarantee it. Mm-hmm. A lot, lot more condo activity in Markham too. And for high numbers too, like crazy prices. Uh, so what else do we have here in the stronger market category? So, oh, this one is interesting. Hang on, this is funny. Buyers pounce on Toronto's house with coming soon sign. Yep. So what do we call that? We call that a bully offer before the pandemic. Now buyers are just pouncing on things. I'm going to give you the best example I can about this. And I hope this reaches somebody who who it's going to help. My, um, I know somebody, a neighbor, okay, who uh, was listing their property for $850,000 at one point, And they had a coming soon sign on, right? Their agent got a knock on the door or a phone call and said, hey, we're going to buy with you. You're going to make twice the commission and we're going to offer her $50,000 over asking. You're going to look like a hero. So the agent took the offer and sold it for nine hundred. Little old lady felt really good about it. Yeah. Agent got paid double. Yeah. Buyers got a great deal. Sure. Everybody wins, right? Except for the seller. Inferior <laughs> home across the street within a week. 1.2. At 850, sold for 965 because uh-huh. they allowed showings over the course of a week, had as many buyers through as possible. And it was an inferior home. It was like one less bedroom, less renovations. It was all sorts of problems. And it sold for $65,000 more. So she potentially left 50 to maybe even $100,000 on the table because she went with the coming soon strategy. The coming soon is only there for the agent. It's only there for the agent to get more buyer calls. It's only there for the agent to make more commission. Sure. It does not protect the seller whatsoever. So coming soon has replaced the exclusive uh, sign that you, we used to see? Well, R- Rico says you should have an exclusive listing during the coming soon period anyways. Uh, but no, it hasn't replaced that. That's, a, that's Exclusives are just being not, not being offered on MLS. Again, coming soon signs came out when the market start getting, started getting hot. And, buyer, and agents realized, look, if I sell it before it comes onto the market. I'm going to get my own buyer and then I'm going to make more money. So they put coming soon so that they had 20 buyers calling them without agents and saying, I want to buy your property before it hits the MLS. And agents have continued to do that. How's that different than exclusive? Because exclusive means that, you know, you may not be going on MLS. Coming soon officially means that you will be coming to the MLS 
soon and there has to be some sort of date scheduled and it has to say coming to oh. Treb MLS system like there's really like sounds like a scam to me okay that's good yeah, big time scam okay so that's interesting 2020 but no, yeah and you know what listen that's it they're only looking out for themselves I've said it a million times to my partners like for, for the for the agent to come to me and say, you know what, I think we should take this offer. It's a good offer. I don't know if we're going to get another offer. And it's like 150000 under the place we got. That The effect to me is 150000 The effect to the agent is like by the time he pays his splits and he pays the other commission and everything, I don't know what, what difference does it make to him. $10,000? If he didn't double end it, he's not making 30000 more, 50000 more. What a yeah. scam! Chances are, if the pressure's coming on you when the agent's representing both sides, they gotta um, they gotta change something with that. But anyway, so we got this tiny Toronto house is now listed for one million dollars, and uh, I guess this in in this infers that somebody will that they're selling the house. It's a good deal. It look, this is not a house sale. This is a land sale. Well, somebody could, you know, appreciate the house the way it is, but absolutely, yeah, what a great opportunity to build a detached in that neighborhood. It wasn't so bad inside. I mean, there's only one picture, so it might be the only good picture you could get from inside this house. Marketing. But yeah, good yeah. marketing, but again, another ploy. Let's see here. We also have six offers as buyers clamor for Leslieville Semi. So we've been seeing that doesn't seem like news. We even saw multiple offers in the like heat of the pandemic, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, two weeks ago, I sold one four hundred thousand over asking in Leslieville. Did they sell? Yeah. So asking price seven ninety nine nine, selling price nine thirty four five. Okay, that's great. They should tell us if there was another agent. Okay, this one. Okay, these people are beasts. Low ball offers rejected for detached North York home. That's, That's serious. There's, there's still people who are reading the headlines, who believe the market's going to crash, who are telling their agents, their agents aren't giving them the right information. They're just, you know, what, what do you want to do? Oh, you want to go in hundreds of thousands of dollars under asking? Okay, great. Let's go. You know, there's the market's going to crash. I mean, I've been hearing this for 15 years. The market's going to crash. The market's going to crash. You got to go in under. It's 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 not going to work. Well, the the they actually sold it for under asking. This one was asking one six nine eight sold for one five eight zero. So I guess the offers they were rejecting were like real bad. Yeah. yeah. Real bad. Listen, when, out of the it, out of the ordinary hundred grand less in that price range, it happens. In two thousand and nine, when the sky was falling in in Toronto and I had I had houses I needed to sell because I was super over leveraged and had no right being in the market at all um it it it, it got like uh, I, I was getting some pretty ridiculous offers that I had to reject thank god I rejected them but the offer I ended up taking ended up destroying me but that's a that maybe I'll do an episode about that but lowball offers are being rejected so I don't know if that is the client saying like I'm not listening to you to the agent and we're not taking this offer or if the agent is saying like this, I think we could do better than this sold in 34 days. It says, what would you well, say to somebody if they well, got let's a, se let's segue into, um, our friend truth. 
You want to segue into truth now? Yeah, Is that a good segue? Some points there that we can touch on there because of the lowball offer and the mindset of the lowball offer. New on CuriosityStream, grab your decoder ring. We're cracking the world's most famous encryptions. From the mom who took down the mob to the Zodiac Killer. See how the pros hide their secrets in plain sight on Cracking the Code. Plus, it was impossible to recruit intelligence agents without recruiting war criminals. Meet the retirees of the Third Reich who gathered Cold War intelligence for the U.S. on Nazis and the CIA. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.